Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family, we chose this one. This episode 139, Alita Battle Angel from 2019. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And this episode's brought to you by martianmade.co.uk, specifically their Martian Dreams Bamboo Pillow. Everybody sleeps for almost a third of their lives, so finding the right support for your head is vitally important for the health and well-being of the individual. Shout out Martian Made. Martian Dreams Bamboo Pillow. Well, shout out to them and welcome to Robert Rodriguez Week and a Half. Not just Robert Rodriguez Week, but Week and a Half, because next week we're doing both Machete movies. But today we are kicking things off with Alita Battle Angel, his most recent movie, I think, because, you know, it came out last year and this year is a weird year. But Joe, extracurricular activities. Before we talk about Alita, what do you want to talk about? What have you been up to since we last recorded? I watched Game 6 of the World Series last night. Cool. Tonight, as we're recording this, is the first night in, I think, since sports came back that there are no sports. Oh, really? Yeah. That kind of fe- yeah, that feels right. You know what? Yeah, you're right. Because there's Damn. been football or there's been baseball or whatever, right? So, yeah. it's. Uh... And then we had like the COVID football games on like Tuesday, mm-hmm. remember? So it's been a while. It's been a long time coming. But yes, here we are. Yeah. We're going to head a lull again, too, and it's going to really suck. Well, the thing is, like, N- the NBA has a new plan that they want to start back up like December 22nd or something. Like, there might be like, it's like yes. very soon, right? So it's Well, you know crazy. why? That's because the NBA has, um, Christmas Day games like that's yep. the big mm-hmm. day for the NBA so it would make sense for them to start like a couple days before that but I know that the NHL is talking and right now they're saying like February 1st at the earliest I think so uh, but yes we let's talk about what we just did because we have announced that we sort of teased it a while ago and then it kept moving around but we finally just did our New York Comic Con panel hosted and moderated by Nico with you, me, yeah. your lovely wife, Rachel, which I don't think yep. we didn't mention on the show that uh, she's that you guys are married, just Rachel and uh, Kevo. I don't think that she minds. I think that she she knows who she is, but yeah. So we had like a blast that we talked about the Fast and the Furious, and we talked about all the things we talk about on here with you guys, like diversity and inclusion and, you know, like how the franchise has grown and mm-hmm. things that we like about it and where it's going and what we hope to see from it. And um, I think it came out pretty decent. So did you? I think it was good. We, uh, it was half an hour, like almost on the dot. I think it was like 30 minutes and 30 seconds, which makes sense yep. for Too Fast, Too Furious, F3030. The plan right now is we're going to put it on, the, on this feed at some point, I think probably after my plan right now is after we do Machete Week, we're going to do Fate of the Furious with Nico and Keba, but that Friday... I think we might drop this in there. But it also lives still on the New York Comic Con YouTube page. So we tweeted out a couple links today to it. So if you want to go on there, you can watch it, I think, forever, um, which yeah. is fitting for the show. But if you if you missed it, uh, go check out the New York Comic Con YouTube page. Like, the official Comic Con, like, they retweeted with, like, 600,000 followers. Like, this is, like, the legitimate, like, real deal. I know. Uh, Nico in with some, like, real cool people here uh, getting us front row access to... Hopefully one day, you know, premiere season, baby. Hopefully, but it was awesome, dude. I I would like to do more of those. That's fun. Like, there's a lot of things that we talk about with Fresh and the Furious that I think would be interesting. So yeah, I'm sure that there's other people that agree. And uh, anything else you've been up to since we last chatted? No, not really. That's about it. I have almost exclusively been watching movie after movie after movie. So I want to see what I want to talk about. 
Um, oh, we could talk about Borat, because I watched Borat. Oh, cool. Yes, that's right. Okay, what would you think of it? I liked it. I told you my concerns before yes. we watched it. It was going to be so on the nose that it becomes depressing for me because of the shit that you see that is going on. Right. But I think that Sasha Baron Cohen does a really good job of still making that funny, and that's hard. And I really respect his craft in that aspect of it, for sure. I think it's it's hit or miss, and I think my friends liked it more than I did. I, I feel like long form his stuff... Did you watch Who is America? Yes, and I thought that was also hit or miss. Like, we were talking okay. about that, my friends and I were talking about that, and like some of that's really great. I don't know that anything he's ever going to do is going to be as good as his original Dolly G show, because I think that was kind of the perfect format. No, it was just, it was interesting, it was, it was weird, it was somehow optimistic and hopeful. It was definitely something you should watch, especially if you want to... Somebody let out a tweet the other day, and this was really great, and I was thinking about this too. The whole, like, scandal fiasco of this is that, you know, Rudy Giuliani had his hand down his pants. Yep. The more ridiculous thing is you get to watch Rudy Giuliani spit game at a young girl for, like, 20 minutes. And that's the most uncomfortable part about it. Like, you get to see him flirt with, like, a young, attractive girl and how it would play out when he thinks that nobody is watching. And it's so hideous. Like, it gives me shudders. Like, I can't even, ugh. So that was the news that came out, right? That, like, Rudy, like, is in this, like, precarious position that he shouldn't be in, whatever, whatever. So I think the bigger issue is why are you in a bedroom at all? But I think that, like, like, oh, hand down the pants. Like, that was so, to me at least, so innocuous. Not that he should have been there at all in the first... Like, the issue, I think, is that he shouldn't have been there at all in the first place. But, like, what he was actually doing... I was like, oh, like that's what people are losing their mind. Like it does look like he's just tucking his shirt in. Why he's lying on a bed in a bedroom with a woman that getting he's getting a drink, met, right? Like I don't yes. know. Like that's an issue. And why did he spend twenty minutes like being super creepy, flirty with her? The biggest surprise, I guess, to me, or the most insane thing is like how much time he must have spent with those two dudes in Texas. Because like it's start of quarantine, it seems, and then yeah. it's mid June when they have the thing on. Like so, like I I don't think he lived with them for three months. But, like, there's a lot of time he spent with those dudes and, like... And came back to visit again and again. <laughs> I, it's, it's crazy to me. They, they really seemed to like him. They were, like, real into it, too. Which is so fascinating, right? These are the, these are the things that make me so happy. Is like, the, the, like, the weird irony of, like, them being xenophobic and then also welcoming in this immigrant to their house. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the juxtaposition of these things that you see people do is yeah. really funny to me. And that's where it was, like, still... Like, the humor still reigns free, so. Worth seeing, though, for sure. It had supposedly tens of millions of streams. Whether or not that's true or not, I don't know. Um, But Amazon, you know, said it was a huge weekend, which was, you know, good for them. Because in a time where we all need laughs and we all need somebody to take down something, you know what I mean? It's just like, this was uh, important in a way, right? So, good on you, Sasha Baron Cohen. Also, it's like one of the first new movies we've gotten that's like a big movie. Yeah. Like, you and I were talking about this. Like, we had Tenet. And then you get this. That's pretty much like it for like big movies that would be like in theaters that are huge and stuff like this. So, And speaking of big movies, I also watched The Trial of the Chicago 7, which is the Netflix movie written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, which is really good. People have been complaining that it is too Aaron Sorkin-y, which is like saying a movie is too Tarantino-y. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah. like I get that, but like you're also, you're watching a Sorkin movie. Like you're watching, like you know what you're getting into. Yeah, maybe every character kind of sounds like Aaron Sorkin or every character kind of sounds like Quentin Tarantino in those kind of movies. But like at the same time, yep. like that's Wes why Anderson. you're seeing it, right? Exactly. It's like you're doing it for a reason, right? So I don't know what you want, really. Yeah, this was like when we, when we first started watching Wes Anderson, Rachel was 
was like not really into like I think like Grand Budapest or something. And then like as she was watching, I was like, no, but this is Wes Anderson. Like th- like all of them have this like weird thing. So if yep. you're complaining about the director, like a movie by this director, well, he's gonna put his own imprint on it, right? Like that's the whole point. So. But that was really good. I really enjoyed that. Uh, it is about these seven guys who were accused of inciting riots at the 1968 Democratic Convention, protesting the Vietnam War, and they went there. And they were, you know, they had all these like trumped up charges that like they all conspired together to incite violence, which wasn't the case. People were complaining that's too sorkin and also that like they got some of the facts wrong. But like, I think at the end of the day is an enjoyable movie that is hopefully going to energize people to want to make, like, inspire change in the world. It's the same shit that we're dealing with, right? Like there's a lot of, there's a whole sub, sub story about how like this black man who was like just lumped in with them and like wasn't even allowed to have his lawyer and yep history repeats itself yeah but that was really good i really enjoyed that i watched shithouse terrible title for a movie i think but really enjoyable really good i think that was a really well done movie um that a kid who goes off to college and is very very homesick but Mm. it's this good looking dude and i'm like watching it and i'm just like oh like these girls are all throwing themselves at you like it must be really hard but like he he writes them because the star of the movie is also the writer director and like he writes himself in a way that like is not flattering like he just i'm just like oh wow okay like it's kind of cool and kind of (laughs) yeah then i watched because you and i we've talked about before we we run a film club together and i watched all four movies that we picked this month so i watched i rewatched may um, which is a movie that chris podcast love about a very creepy lady mm-hmm. i rewatched your pick ready or not i rewatched what's essentially a prequel to our next movie machete i watched planet terror sort of kind Ooh. of a prequel and then i watched the vanishing what i also want to say that i watched and i mentioned this movie on the podcast a little while ago when we did universal soldier day of reckoning i was like this guy who directed this movie john hyams who has like very mm-hmm. rarely directed movies, put out a movie this year called Alone. So I watched that because I was, you know, I mean, it's in spooky season, whatever. And this is horror thriller kind of thing. It was good. Like, I really enjoyed it. I think it was very, very well done. The weird thing was, not the weird thing, but like what I was kind of waiting for, because I was I was like, okay, like I see where this is going. It's kind of like a, a, a very well done version of a thing I've seen a bunch, right? But then yeah. at the end of the movie, I don't want to spoil it, but like kind of like the director from Universal Soldier shows up in a way. And I'm like, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. It was a very kind of unexpected, but cathartic and interesting and good ending. And I was uh, very, very happy with the way the movie ended. Without spoiling anything, uh, this movie cool. called Alone. So if you're interested in like a very thrillery woman being pursued and captured by this terrible man, right? Like, yeah, worth checking out, I think. Alone by John Hyams. Because there's a bunch of movies called Alone, but this one came out this year starring Jules Wilcox, who was really good in the role. So I want to do a little bit of due diligence follow-up homework to the uh, a movie that I had vaguely referenced a while ago. So, yeah. That works for me. Anything else that you've watched or anything in the last uh, couple of days? Because I feel like all I'm doing now that I'm uh, getting further along in Spelunky is just watching movies. But anything else? Amazing Race or any TV or movies or, or no? No, I don't, I don't think that we've been watching anything super serious. All right. All right, Joe, let's talk about our Patreon page, TooFast2Forever.com. Shout out mm. to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleinman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party, Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Christian Larson, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke Hayden, Renato DiDonato, and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Mon- Montez. Thank you all so much for joining and supporting us guys. at the $5 level or above. So, Joe, the poll is over. 
I had set the poll okay. to end yesterday because I thought we were going to start a new season tonight. Uh, lo oh. and behold, I did not realize that we had an extra episode, right? Which we learned from Wes that was originally shown as one episode. It does seem like it was meant to be watched together because... Yeah. And Wes went on his... He went down a rabbit hole. Like, I walked away from my computer and I came back and he was going through, like, this whole Lostpedia about all these different two-parters because he thought one thing based on the podcast and the blah, blah, blah. Not our podcast, but Back to the Island. He's like, oh, no, there were actually way more two-parters than I thought. The poll ended in a 5-5 tie, which means that we are going to (laughs) status quo... Keep up with Lost. Watch season three starting next episode. I'm down. I'm, I'm ready to watch it anyways, dude, because this ending was great for season two. I'm so stoked on where it's going to go. And I mean, not that like I'm not excited about doing the, our the next thing will happen. Too. It's just going to do, we're going to do this yeah. one first. And you, even more so than me, are way more of a completionist. So I hope that this helps your brain a little bit. I don't want to say I could take it or leave it. I enjoy the show. It was my favorite show for a long time. I don't know if it still is, but I still really like it. But I've seen it yeah. already. And I haven't seen the other things that we would be talking about. And so... Oh, because you have the completionist, but also the repetitive thing. Yes. Because you like to do but new like, only. I, I want it. Like, I've, I've mentally, I've made an effort to rewatch more things. And I don't know when I would ever have rewatched this again. And I was saying to people, like, talking about this and, you know, trying to explain, like, what we're doing and whatever. And... If not now, like if I if we don't rewatch this now, I don't know when I would rewatch it. Like I feel like this is yeah. my best shot to kind of ever rewatch Lost. So I really love watching like too fast, like Fast and Furious movies with people that have never seen them before. So I hope that it's somewhat enjoyable to hear my perspective. Ah, it's kind of, but it's different because. I don't remember a lot of it, so it's not like it's because okay. it's kind of new to me, but it's also like it's different because it's mystery based and you're guessing things that I know the answers to. Okay. Okay. As opposed to okay. like, oh, hey, like, what about this? Like, some of the stuff you say is like, it's, and it's not, it has nothing to do with like who, like, your ideas or whatever. It's just like, oh, like, yeah, like, I know what the island is or I know what the button does or whatever, right? So, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. A little bit different, but I do, uh, do see where you're coming from. But I want to say that the season three finale is another two parter, but we will talk about that in one episode because uh, I did not mean to blue ball you as much as I did between the time that I realized it was a two parter and when we had to record it. I literally didn't have 45 minutes, unless like an extra 45 minutes, unless yeah. I slept 45 minutes less. So I was like, this is kind of a dumb way to do this, but I literally can't do it. So blame okay. Wikipedia. No, blame IMDb. Blame IMDb, not Wikipedia. Wikipedia had it right. Yeah, but anyway, Lost Season 3 beginning next week. So I hope you're all excited for that. I guess half of you it. are excited, probably, right? Yeah. Five of you, Five of you might be excited for that, <laughs> and five of you, maybe not, but... And Sorry. if you're not we'll happy to, about we'll it, to it, blame the eight people who didn't vote. We have uh, 18 patrons right now. We had five and five, so blame those people. Much like what we're getting really close. This episode comes out Tuesday, right? No, this is Friday's episode. Next Tuesday, you just blame the people that didn't vote. Yeah. That's, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Either way, doesn't matter. Just blame the people that didn't vote. Yeah. We also have an email just here on the show, family at cageclub.me and Joe. We've got three emails today, two from one person, one from another. Okay. First two from Jerry Robinson. First up, random moment. What up, Jerry? How are you doing? Very short email. So I'm just driving to get my car washed. I saw a blue GTR getting towed. I don't have a picture, but spur of the moment just made me sad. Getting towed? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. What's that line that they say in Furious 7 about, like, you know, why do you have a a beast and you keep it in a cage or whatever? Just like, why do you have a GTR and you're going to let it get towed? (laughs) Yes. 
exactly. Like, where were you parking that you don't... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The next email, also from Jerry, and this is a follow-up to our question solved. I like this, that he is he is listening to these episodes day of. That's a true family member right there, that he is... Uh, eagerly because the last couple times right he has um he has responded the day of right so pretty cool pretty cool so thank oh, you oh yeah Jerry. that's true yeah because these we're doing these earlier than they're coming out yes to come out mm-hmm. so, yeah okay wow he's on it okay yeah because this episode he's responding to came out yesterday he emailed yesterday subject line tennessee okay hey guys we're going to clarksville by the army base where my dad and Ileana's uncle met years ago she doesn't listen to the podcast so i'm safe dot 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 for now mm. oh Good. The only stop we did in Nashville last time was with the outlets, where I got a $138 Michael Kors wallet for 30 bucks, and Ileana got a $400 purse for $100. Gotta love those deals. Deals all day. It's like Rasputin out there. Truly. Uh, he wants to know, Joe, what is the name of that restaurant you told me about? It's called Monell's. M-O-N-E-L-L-S. There's a couple locations. I went to the one that's like in downtown Nashville. It looks like there's like a couple that are like on the outskirts of it. It's a meal that I think about a lot. I've eaten in a lot of places. I've traveled to a lot of places and I seek out good food in a lot of different places. And this place, everything about it stands out in my mind. Cool. If you're there, give it a shot. I don't think you'll be disappointed. It's super cool. Cool. He says, we wanted to do the Jack Distillery, but her brother is only 20. So we have to save it for later. Oh, that sucks. There's always another reason to go back. I do mean Monterey, California. She went to school out there for my birthday three years ago. We went there for the first time, and it was dope. I would like to go there to retire. It's not too hot. There are beaches everywhere. It's nice and mellow. You better be buying everything you got at the outlets because it's expensive out there. Beaches and in Monterey. But yeah, it's a beautiful place. You can't beat it. I I like Santa Cruz, too. Like, these parts, like... Yeah, big fan. I'm a big fan of California in general, so I like to hang out there as much as I can. Didn't get there this year, obviously, but actually, you know what? Fuck, I was there. I was in February. <laughs> I, I like I try to go to California as much as possible, and I was there in February. It just feels like you know, time's a flat for- circle. This year has been 17 years long so well that was all for jerry so thank you jerry for writing in let us know after you get back from tennessee i would love to hear how the trip went uh maybe yeah, do a su- surprise proposal who knows but uh no, probably <laughs> i mean her brother's gonna be there so i think it's a little bit different but you know who knows yeah all right our third and final email today is from new listener renato Giordano. ren writes in the fast and the furious rankings we've not had one of these in a while yes we asked for him his, his rankings too yes. so that's awesome hey guys thought to send this in and add my rankings to the pot like many others i think i've only maybe three films locked in as the others float depending on how i feel i don't dislike any of the films listed at the bottom either as they're still great but nostalgia and feeling plays a huge part in how I rank some of these with some minor thoughts added. For example, didn't watch 5 to 7 proper until 8 was about to hit cinemas, which skews my connection to the films compared to 1 and 2, which I used to watch all the time as a kid on TV and DVD. So I guess we know how this is going to go, but yes, okay. Yeah. From the bottom up. So number 9, Fate of the Furious. Okay. So some fun stuff, but would only ever jump into it when doing a series rewatch. Definitely feels like a bridge between trilogies. Like the fourth one was. Yeah, that's what we're that's what we're hoping for. Number eight, Fast Seven, features one of my favorite sequences of the franchise, and I love the ending with Brian, but it still is just very disjointed. Okay. This one is a little surprising low. Number seven is Fast and Furious Six. The setting doesn't really stand out compared to the rest of the series, but some of the best sequences and stunts in the franchise for sure, I just remember the least from this film. There's some that we watch, like I watch parts of seven. There's that whole scene that Brian is in like a hand to hand fist fight with like, he wraps the chain around the guy's leg or something and throws it down the elevator shaft. Yep. I slow. I did not remember that until this watch. Oh really? We're seven times deep in this movie. 
that was just like something that like I was like I totally don't remember like this never worked in my brain until that watch of it and that's a callback too so you've heard 14 times at least too slow because that's a callback to earlier in the movie where Brian is locked into the bus before it goes off and the guy he throws down the shaft says too slow to him and then he calls it back so you've heard too slow 14 times you just took 14 times to really sink in that whole sequence that whole hand-to-hand combat fist fight sequence is just not in my brain it, like, it didn't exist in the movies until that time. Yeah, well, as Kevo pointed out, Brian found wheels. He did. Yes, he did. Yeah. Number six, Hobbs and Shaw. Really fun 90 to 100 minute film stretched to two hours, which that's a pretty good way to describe it. That's yeah, that's fair. A lot of fun, just that. a little long. Yeah. Number five, Fast and Furious. Number four, I accidentally watched this on TV the first time thinking I recorded the first film and not seeing it for a few years. I still liked it. Yeah, man. As we rewatch it, we we like it more and more every time. So number four, Tokyo Drift, was thrown off the first time I watched it with the lack of Brian, but came around years later on a rewatch. My mates love bumping the soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack, one of the best. Number three, Fast Five, easily the most fun, and the film I would recommend the most to people looking to check out the franchise. Agreed. Yeah, it's a great entry point. As he alluded to earlier, number two, Too Fast. Loved Brian and Roman in this one, and quote, you fight like shit. Forget about it, <laughs> cuh, are always quoted among my mates. It's a friendship group movie, which adds to the ranking, plus Act a Fool gets many plays among us, lol. <laughs> also true, too, yep. And then number one, the only one left, The Fast and The Furious. Watching this one all the time, and takes me back every viewing. My mates love quoting Monica and living life a quarter mile at a time. Again... It's a friendship group movie, which adds to the ranking. We'd love to extrapolate a bit on each film when the specific reviews come up next. So lap eight, check it out. Cool. Thanks for taking the time and keep up the great work. P.S. The stickers and written note arrived this week. Very cool stuff. Thanks again. Oh, you're very welcome. That was from Joey. It's love from both of us. So I'm glad that the, uh, that was not crazy long delay getting it from the post office in America to Australia. So I guess, yeah, that's really not. I guess, you know, only the post office in America is messed up. So as soon as it got out of our country, (laughs) it's like, cool, we can just normally get to you. Also, there was like a batch. There's a batch that's like out of this country, right? Like, as opposed to like to your delegation voting place. I was talking to my sister because she sent me a picture of all the mail that she got today. And it was like six things about the election, like handwritten notes, like encouraging her to vote and like, pro you know literature and anti-literature against candidates or whatever right and like yes she's like well, i'm like i wish that you could like toggle a button somewhere and just be like yeah i already voted i don't need this stuff like and just yeah, not stop wasting the paper because she also made a good point that like you know there's such a hard time of getting things to go anywhere right like why are they bogging down the post office with all this nonsense so conspiracy theories i don't know come on yeah they're just trying to make it slower on purpose but thank you jerry and thank you ren for writing in if you want to email in family at cageclub.me send us a note we'll read it on air next time or whenever you send it in but thank you so much yeah. family at cageclub.me Joe, on the streets, news about the Fast and Furious. Is there any Fast and Furious news that you have seen since we last recorded? No, because we had like 15 new news things last time. (laughs) I think they're taking a breather this week. I've seen things that are related to our show, but not the franchise. So number one, literally the day we recorded the back half of this episode, in which we talk about how, and I I explained to you like, this movie did really well, but not well enough, and it's not going to get a sequel, and it's a major bummer, because we both liked it, and I loved it, and there's the Alita Army, and whatever. You'll hear it all in the back half. Literally that day, we got this covered.com, which is the news and rumors site that we have trafficked in a bunch, posts a thing that says Disney 
is mulling a sequel to Alita Battle Angel. So whether or not that's true, I don't know. But it happened that day. That we, day. Like, we finished, we stopped recording the episode, and like an hour later, Joey sends me this article. And I was like, well, we gotta, re- we gotta re-record the whole thing, because like, it's it's crazy to me. Nico made the joke that they must have been listening to our Spy Racers episode, because like, things that we talked about with them about season one was, were in season two. And like here, it's like, unless they bugged our house, and Disney was like, you know, that's actually, actually is a pretty good idea. It's just like, the, the timing on this is uncanny. I know, it's so fucking weird man but we've had these coincidences more than once and this is a weird one because it's like alita battle angel it's not like fast and furious where we're like oh they're gonna go to space right this isn't like something that we would be talking about i'm always feeling like i'm being i always feel like somebody's watching me yeah the other news that i wanted to bring up is not news about a movie but it is something that was from walt's newsletter from numlock news walt hickey past guest of the show it's a link i sent you with but we didn't really talk about it we talked about one of these earlier in COVID. I think Alex sent this through, but there is a story on GQ.com called The Great Cannonball Boom. The Cannonball Run, yes, which is a movie we covered last this. lap, the record of the, the Cannonball record of going from coast to coast or from New York or wherever it is in the in, in the east to LA or wherever it is in the west, the record has been broken like five times this year because like there's fewer people on the road. This is from Walt's newsletter. She kind of summarizes the GQ thing. The Cannonball is a niche stunt event where several idiots who are extremely good at driving make a run from New York to Los Angeles as fast as they can. By 1983, the record stood at about 32 hours and seven minutes to make the run. By 2013, so 30 years later, Record was set with a time of 28 hours and 50 minutes, a mark that stood for years. Jeez. From 2013 to 2019, there were dozens of attempts, but only in November 2019 did someone manage it in 27 hours, 35 minutes. Cut off almost... You know, cut off 85 minutes, which is a lot, or 75 minutes. That's a ton. That's a ton. Remember that to accomplish that, you need to sustain an average speed of 103 miles per hour. Jesus Christ. For a Jesus. while, that seemed unbeatable, but then a pandemic hit and cleared the roads. What's happened since is a veritable shelling of cannonballs. This year, and then his bold, the record's been beaten five different times, and the 2013 record was beaten seven times. So, it's insane. Like, it's crazy. Can you imagine, like... You doing more than 103 average mile per hour. I like you're I think cooking. I've only been in a car that went 100 miles an hour like once or twice. Once was by an Uber driver in Las Vegas. We were like, you can slow down. Like you don't need to go this fast. Like we're not in that much of a rush. Yeah, that was scary. Uh, and I think yes. I was, you know, I had one friend who drove, but like, I- I've only been at that speed a couple times, like in a, in, a, in a civilian car. But to average that for 28 hours? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Jesus Christ. You have to like drink and pee, stand. You know what I mean? Like, it's insane to me. But yeah, so check out GQ.com. Also check out Walt's newsletter, Numlock News, because it's just, I, I get all sorts of weird things. Like, I get stuff for work, but I get stuff for fun, and he does a lot of entertainment stuff and Oscar stuff he does with Michael, who's also been on the show. Yep. So Cannonball Records updating and Alita possible sequel, which is pretty cool. So yeah, I think that's all the news, though. No, no Fast and Furious news, I don't think. Nah. I don't think so either. Joe, the Ana Lucia Cortez, Leticia Ortiz lost for a minute, finally closing out season two with Live Together, Die Alone, part two. Hit me with it. What did you think? There are again, this is a part two of a Desmond episode. We get flashbacks on the island to his time with Kelvin. We got some dynamite going on here. It's it's this is a big episode. It's huge. There's so much shit going on. Okay. We see that Kelvin is the guy that was drawing the map on the door. Yep. And he's like up top somewhere 
or like underneath, right? Desmond hears him and he's like, what are you doing? He's like, this is like the key and this is the fail safe. Like if shit goes bad, you have to do this. You can also, but he kind of alludes it like it blows it up and it's gone forever, right? It's it's unclear. It's unclear. Okay, he kind of like he he doesn't know. There's no undo button essentially. Mainly in like the Desmond storyline, like this dude. Okay, Calvin. Now that's his name. Kelvin. Kelvin. Yeah, like the temperature. Kelvin keeps going out, and Desmond's like, "Let me go outside. I haven't been outside in two years." And he's like, "No, nah, dude. Like you need to stay in here." Blah blah blah. He sees that like his his suit is ripped. By the way, very appropriately for the time, puts a mask on yep. and goes outside. Well, we the, saw that. We saw it. the word quarantine on the hatch when, when Locke got yes. in there, right? So, yeah. Him thinking that there's a virus outside covers his face, goes outside. Yeah. He goes and follows him. He realizes that he has his ship and he's rebuilding it. The Elizabeth. Yeah, the Elizabeth. He's like, I know you're following me, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm using your ship and getting the fuck out of here. And he's like, you weren't going to tell me? He's like, well, not yet. Like, I still got like a week to go or whatever. They get into a fight. He pushes him, kills Kelvin. Accidentally, but like angry, but did not mean to kill him, but bashes his head against a rock and Kelvin is gone. Yeah. Yeah, because they're on these like these weird like rocky dunes, like volcanic rock types things. So it happened. It was not good. So in the meantime, Locke and Desmond are in the thing. Locke's like, dude, like... No, man, you need to be free. Like, we're not pushing the fucking button this time. And, like, Mr. Echo's on the outside of the door, because that's where we left him. And he's like, you gotta let me push this fucking button. And Charlie's like, okay, cool. And he's like, I need to get in there. Charlie's like, well, we got that dynamite out there. Mr. Echo lays it. He, like, strings it very short for the amount of fuse he had. Blows it up and stands, like, six feet away around the corner. Charlie's like, don't fucking do this. And then he sees him light it and runs and gets, like, blown into a wall and has terrible tinnitus. Probably got his eardrums blown out. Yeah, and I was thinking as a musician, that's got to be doubly painful, right? I mean, not that that he's really a musician on the island anymore. And I think Driveshaft had broken up before he left. But, like... (laughs) Yeah, man, exactly. not great. No, I felt bad for. I thought that I thought that we were gonna give up the heroin story to have a Charlie's Deaf Now story and can't play music, and I was really getting sad. No, for a the moment. new Charlie just story like, is him and Claire in love now. Yes. At the same time, they're going to the top of the beach. They, as in Jack and Kate and everybody. Yeah, they're like they're close, but Saeed's like up, like going to the beach. He realizes that like all the shit's fake. Like it's just fucking empty huts and stuff. And there's like a big door. He opens it. It just leads to a rock. Dharma hatch to nowhere. The, yep. Mm-hmm. They're like walking, and they get to this spot. And it's just all of these bank teller machine things that they were putting the notebooks in in the hatch and shooting them like through the you know tubing. I, what's the name of this thing? The, well, you know the, what it the is? pneumatic tubes. Pneumatic tubes. Yeah. So all along you've been like, this is just a psychological experiment. This isn't real. Blah blah blah. And then you've yes. also said when you saw the pearl, you're like, look, they've been spying on them. This is all a game. This is all a test. Whatever. Now we see this, and it's like, oh, that was not real either. And then the end of the episode, where we find out that the button actually does do something. Like, I'm very interested to see yes. how your theory is changing because, like, you weren't wrong, but you're also not right. So yeah, so they find like all the experiment things. I think that the, some somebody was there that was picking them up, and they left somehow. So there has to be like at some point that like somebody didn't get the message that this experiment was over, which is what I thought the whole time, right? That like one of the hatches left because something happened or somebody died, or and then the other hatches just kept going. And the experiment's just running without them. Like, there's no end game to it. So they keep doing it, but there's nothing, there's no real reason to. So we see, like, all the notebooks and shit. Like, then Kate, Hurley, and Jack, and Michael all get, like, darted and drug to, like, this dock. Mm-hmm. We get, um, what's his name back? Ben. Well, we don't know his name is Ben yet, but it, it was Henry Gale, the artist formerly known Henry as Henry Gale. Gale. But yes, he's Ben. Role reversal, kind of. It looks like he's in charge. It 
does. It's very strange. That's something interesting. But, like, the guy with the beard, he comes up and he's like, and Kate puts it together. She's like, your beard is fake. He's like, cool, just rips it off. And they're like, thanks. Here's your trade. I'm a man of my word. Waltz in the boat. Take the boat. Drive to here. But at the same time, it's fucking melting in the hatch. Echo's, like, dead. I mean, well, Echo's, like, half dead. Charlie's, like, half dead. Locke's, like, this is the, like, this is what was in the other hatch. This is how I know it's fake. And he has this readout, and he's, and he, like, sees it's, like, date and, dates and times. Desmond's, like, when, when was the time that you, like, when did your plane crash exactly? And he's, like, this day. And he's, like, look, you dumbass. And, like, we cut back, and we see that there was, like, I think it's the same day he killed, what's his name, right? It all happens the same time, yeah, because he sprints back. Because this is all, like, a very compressed timeline for Desmond. Like, this is all happening in short order. But he, like, sprints yeah. back, fails to hit the button, hits the button too late, and that's when shit goes bad. And he says, I think I crashed your plane. Yes, and he looks, and on that exact date, that was the time that the plane came down. System failure, sense. system failure, system failure. Yep, yep. and it's a big-ass magnet. It could have sucked this plane out of the air, maybe. And so Desmond's like, oh, shit. We're going to push this fucking button. And Locke's like, no, dude, this is the whole time that I was trying to not push the button. Because he's like, no, he's anti-bush, anti-button now. So Desmond's like, no, fuck. And he's like, fuck you. And just climbs down the thing, puts the key in, turns it. Like, he, he takes a big stutter for God only knows what reason. Because he's, like, terrified of what's going to happen. Pulse the whole fucking island. Like, sky lights up. Everything's going crazy. The people on the beach see them. Saeed in the boat and Jin and Sun see it. Beach sees it. Everybody's like, what the fuck is that? Giant door gets shot through the sky and lands. <laughs> then, one of, I think this is possibly my favorite line in the entire show. Locke just goes, I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> You fucking dumbass. Like, I get it, but also, like, come on, man. Like, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> like, yeah. okay. Back on the dock with Walt. He's like, get in the boat, drive here. And he's like, like, how do you, like, know that, like, why can't I send people back? And he's like, they can't find it. And I think now, because we know this is a big magnet, it actually does something, it sucked a plane down, that it's like the Bermuda Triangle type situation here, and you're getting, like, a weird magnetic pulse, and you can't use a compass when you're there. So it's hard to find, and that would explain why, like, all these boats kind of, like, go in a circle and shit. Right, because then like Michael and them just like go in a circle. Desmond got lost there, and Desmond also said like he tried to like take his boat away for, and he drove two weeks and just came back. When Ben sends Michael and Walt away, he says leave at a heading of three twenty-five and go for a while, and you'll actually leave, but you won't be able to find your way back. And we've seen before, to your point, that compasses just don't work here. So there is magnetism here, but how it all yes. factors into the greater picture, we will have to wait and see. No, but we know that that was a big magnet. You have to blow the top off of it. Let the magnet... Okay, whatever. Desmond saying, you stole my life before he accidentally bashes Kelvin's head was pretty intense. You yeah, stole my life. Because yeah, he's like, yeah. you know, I, you you wouldn't let me go outside. I have to be here. And uh, and you're trying to steal my boat to get out of here, and you're going to leave me here forever. And he's like, I needed someone to save the world. Yeah. It's like, okay, asshole, thanks. No, okay, so then, like, the last, last thing. We see two guys. What Are, are they speaking Italian, maybe? I don't know. It's a, it's a language other than English. That's all I know. They're in, like, a tent. They're playing chess. They start to see, like, a computer blip that says, like, they got, like, an anomaly and an electric magnetic field. And they're like, oh, shit, we found it. You got to call her. Or, like, just, like, pick up the phone. I'm going to do this. And he calls, and he calls Penny. Yep. And you remember that she said, with enough money, you can find anyone. 
and she has a lot of money. Especially since uh, maybe nobody won that boat race because Desmond was going to win and he got lost, right? So who knows if that boat race ever finished? So maybe she's yeah. got the extra forty grand there too, right? So from her dad, yeah, exactly. He just like that's like that's like her like bonus money. It's like her like play money if he doesn't win. I think that would cost that like a, a station out in the middle of nowhere that is two two man is going to cost a little bit more than forty grand. I'd have oh, to yeah, imagine. Oh yeah, for sure. Forty grad. Seems like at the at the south. I think it's like the, maybe the South Pole. It's somewhere Arctic or it's, Antarctic. It's, yes. Yeah. It seemed like the North Pole or the South Pole or something. Yes, I agree. Walt is again. So Michael and Walt are off. Charlie and Claire kiss, which is very cute. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I will say, and this is not going to mean anything. It's not. It's it's not a spoiler. It's just kind of a reference to something. But to people who are listening who know Lost, uh, you are about to know about fish biscuits, which is a very not important at all, but just a phrase that I have stuck in my brain. Fish biscuits, fish biscuits from season three. Yep. At the end of this, they let Hurley go. They're like, go back to your people, tell them what happened. And they take Jack, Kate, and Sawyer. The others take them to wherever yes. they're going. Yes. So our next episode, fish season biscuits. three, episode one, is an episode called A Tale of Two Cities. This is a Jack episode. And this is also one of my two or three favorite openings to a Lost episode ever. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I'm cool. very excited for this. Also, there's an episode that I have referenced before that we are going to get to in the middle of next season that uh, is everybody's least favorite episode. Not the tattoo one, but there's another one that I love uh, that a lot of people hated. Is is this the one where they like showed everybody else on the island, but nobody else it's on the island It's two other people in particular, about... yes. Uh, season, okay. It's episode 14, Expose, um, which is a Nikki <laughs> okay. and Paolo episode, which is just amazing. That sounds fun, fun though, that it's like, they're like, come on, guys, tell us what the other people are doing. They're like, we did, and they're like, not that, though. We don't care. Yeah, yeah. I like, I like that part of the story much better. Yeah. Any other thoughts about Lost, or do you want to go on to the Fast and the Furious Minute? I'm excited for the next season. Like, I was, I was fucking itching to watch the next one. We went... We actually watch this episode. I usually watch everything like the day of we record, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because I like want to be it fresh. But like last night, I was like, you know what? I really want to watch that final fucking last lost episode. And so we watched it last night, actually. Oof. So yeah, that's how that's how itchy I was for it. Like, I think I don't know. You know, we talked about with Nico and Kevo about how the thing changed and like you know what they say is maybe not what it actually was. But I'm pretty sure that season three is pretty widely beloved. And I think knowing what happens and knowing some of these episodes coming up a really good season everybody's favorite episode though pretty much overall uh season four has everybody's favorite episode so uh good stuff coming before and after so i'm very excited to keep this train a rolling yeah the last thing to do before we take a break and talk about alita is the fast and the furious minutes minute 97 a minute i called a 60 plus second car you're so dead on yeah So in this minute, the entire minute is Dom and Brian racing. Yeah. Dom pulls ahead early, but Brian quickly uses Nas to catch up. 
As they approach the train tracks, the train approaches, and we enter slow motion. We have this, like, really weird, I mean, like, we've talked about the slow motion before, but this is the first, like, drug haze slow motion. Like, we normally see, like, slow motion, like, the car is moving fast. This is, like, them being, like, like, dis oriented by the speed of it myself my, my body is disoriented it's a type of slow motion that we don't see again i don't think never not nope. bad it's just jarring you're right it feels like when you watch a movie and they're like we just like dropped a bunch of drugs and we're coming up and it's like whoa yep. and it's like that's what they did and then the last thing that happens in this minute is that a part in dom's engine combusts which i think maybe you could probably tell me a little bit more about because i don't know what happened causing his car to smoke as he approaches the tracks so what actually in his engine breaks do you know i know that i looked at it it was his like his oil pressure gauge was starting to get really high so something to do with his oil pressure blew something off okay the side of it because he like gear shifts and then all of a sudden it just breaks it goes kablooey i guess he's never really pushed the car right but he also built the car so we led to believe that dom is a shitty mechanic maybe like isn't that what isn't that what we're like deducing from this right seems like it yeah like what the fuck were you doing bud maybe he let like jesse put that part on or something the mad scientist yeah exactly so this is you know we'd we'd said like the last second or two of the previous minute was part of the race this entire minute is still the race. A little bit, or maybe most of the next, who knows how much of the next minute yeah. is still going to be the race. And this is a quarter mile. This is supposed to be a 10 second race. <laughs> and I know they're showing multiple perspectives and there's, you know, we're showing but the train, not. but it's 60 plus seconds of a quarter mile race, which is cool cinematically, but it's also like, all right. No, but you know how we were saying like with the one race, we were like, okay, this is like a two or three minute race, but granted we see everybody's different cars and stuff like that. You have distinct timelines in this one. Dom takes off. Brian's behind. Brian hits Nas and catches up. That's six seconds of this race, mm-hmm. right? If it's a 10 second race, that's that has to be six of them. And then they're still driving side by side. So like the jumping between cars perspective isn't really lost because you see it. It's not like they're all only looking forward and you see like Dom looking forward and then Brian looking forward to where you could add this time. But it's just a very long quarter mile. And there's like nice POV shots like there's from the front of Dom's car and there's from the front of the train and they have like the cars driving by and garbage kicking up and like it's all very cinematic. There's nobody around. It seems like they're the only people left in the world plus whoever or whatever's on that train but like for a 10 second car for a quarter mile race. Okay. Yeah. But what did you find? I know you went deep into a uh, a train message board. <laughs> so what did you get here? You know like we have this joke. I use the car movie database and then I found the firearm movie database. So I looked and saw if there was a train movie database. There isn't. But I'm like, somebody has to be bonered about trains out there, right? Like, there's a lot of guys that fucking love trains. My dad loves trains, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, I know, like, a bunch of these, like, there's, like, there's a group of train enthusiasts, right? And, like, they have to have the internet. I eventually was, like, balls deep in this train <laughs> enthusiast forum, and I found out a lot of interesting facts about this train. The train is a General Motors Electric Motive Division train model gp40 and it was manufactured from 65 to 71 and they made like 1200 of these things okay okay this one 3134 santa clarita railway santa clarita railway so that's what the scrx is Okay. okay. That exact train, which I didn't really think about this. Like, th- there's obviously a fuck ton of trains in America, right? We, we move course. a lot of shit by train. There's 1,200 of these trains. This train has been owned by five different railways. Okay. And it still operates under Southwestern Railways number 3134. It's just blue now. 
Okay. And it transports grain. It still exists. It's still out there. Here, I'm going to send you the picture of this train. We could go find this train. We could jump it. We could drive in front of it if we want. Yeah. It still exists out there. A bunch of people were, you know, talking about that they wanted to remake. They wanted to make a skin for this train to play it in their train enthusiast game. <laughs> I think it was called, I think it's called Trains with a Z, which is really awesome. <laughs> I think the game's just called Trains. Somebody wanted to make a skin of it, and they were pointing out that at some point in the movie, it's mirrored, and the numbers are backwards. Yeah, so what I just did, because I think the trivia question for this minute should be, what number can be found on the train that Dom and Brian jump in front of at the end of the film? And the number is 3134. Because we see it four or five times, it's prominent. It's right in the middle. So in putting this into our quiz document, which Wes just took and got like 80 or more right, which is still a crazy high. Like he was disappointed he himself. Like 85 like or 87 crazy. or something. Yeah. Something just happened that has never happened to me before on this. I put the question in and Google Forms suggested the correct answer. And I was like, huh. What? I don't think it's because of Google Docs because I've done it every time it hasn't happened. But if you Google that question... They have like the snippet box that comes up on Google and it just says 3134. And then from your page and I to be the goofs, because you are Mr. Goof now, uh, this is a miscellaneous goof. And it says in the last race is what you're just saying. The number on the train remained constant, but in some shots it's reversed, indicating that the train was filmed going two different directions and the footage was flipped. Having yes. shot Johnny Tran, Brian jumps to his super to chase Dom. So I have never seen that before. That is very cool that Google is like, hey, here's the correct answer. Is this what you're looking for? It's like, yes, Google, it is what we're looking for. Thank you. Yeah, that's very cool. Also, the last thing is, this is the same train, this fucking train, this is the same train in the 1999 movie Hijack, which I've never seen, but it's the same exact train that's in that movie. Cool. So it's it's a famous train that is still out there chugging along. Important. Very, very cool. I think we have two or three, maybe, minutes. Like, it's, uh, we don't have a ton left. No, we don't. We're very, very close. Any other thoughts about minute 97 before we take a break and come back to talk about Alita? It feels weird watching it in a minute piece and knowing that the whole race is over a minute long. Like, we, I knew, like, I even brought it up last time. I'm like, I wonder how much of the next minute, but I didn't think it was going to be the full minute. And then more. Yeah, same. That's what I'm saying. It's crazy. It's crazy. All right, Joe, let us take a break. Let us come back and let us talk about Alita Battle Angel. Alita Battle Angel. This episode's brought to you by MartianMade.co.uk. Their Martian Dreams Luxury Shredded Memory Foam Bamboo Pillow. They spend one third of their lives sleeping, so it's no wonder that every person searches high and low for the best pillow that suits their sleeping style whilst fitting their head and neck shape. Thank you, martianmade.co.uk. Well, shout out to them, and welcome back to the show. We are talking about Alita Battle Angel as we kick off three-episode run of Robert Rodriguez movies. Joe, no relation. I I got that. You know what I didn't get? That Emrod was in this movie. You didn't recognize her voice? No, I did. That's When I heard her voice, I was like, damn, that sounds like Emrod. And then like, I saw the like illustrative version of her, and I was like, 
that's why we picked this movie. That makes well, there perfect are two, sense. Well, I, I, I've told you this before. I guess you forgot. But there are yes. two other fast and action people in here, too. Did you recognize anybody else? Two other pretty prominent, not as prominent as Letty, but two other pretty prominent fast members, fast family, are in this movie. No. Nope. I'm trying to think. Nope. Number one, the oh, I don't want I don't I don't want to call her like a spider woman, but um oh okay, the, like the praying mantis type woman. She is Isaac Gonzalez, aka Madam M. That's right. You're right. But it was very hard to recognize her just like face on robot. Yes. The other person, he has a very very small part, but I want to get his okay. character name correct. Master Clive Lee, who is in the Hunter Warrior Bar. Johnny Tran. Really? Ricky Yoon, baby. Oh, that's right. Very small part. He only has a couple lines. That I has 207 confirmed kills or whatever, but yeah, Johnny that's Tran right. in this movie too. Oh man, all these half like bionic cyborgs with like no faces like really threw me off. Well, he's not a cyborg. He just has a beard. I mean, it's also 18 years after we saw him yes. in the movie. What I also did not know, so this movie has two actors that won two Best Supporting Actors twice within three years. So Christoph Waltz won for two Tarantino movies, and then okay. we had Mahershala, who won for Moonlight, Moonlight. and then for Green Book. So that's they're right. both in this movie, so there's that's that element of it. But what I did not know is that Rick Yoon, who plays Johnny Tran, was a Bond villain in Die Another Day. Waltz, Christoph Waltz, was a villain in Spectre, and then the one that's coming out next year. So we have two Bond villains in this movie, too. I also didn't know that Johnny Tran played a Bond villain, which I think is awesome. Yeah, I didn't know that either. That's awesome. Uh, at some point, we will have a, a lap, I guess, you know, the first movie. Um, and do, you know, maybe that, I don't know, we'll, find, we'll have to find out. But before we go in depth, what did you think of Elite about it? You had never seen this before, is that right? I've never seen this before, no. Did you know about it? Did you know it existed? I knew it came out. I knew Matt was super excited for it when it came out. Rachel said that she wanted to watch it when it came out, but we just never did. I found it really enjoyable. It was a good movie. It was fun. Like, our main complaint was just that there's a lot of moving parts in this film. There's essentially, like, three different stories that are happening at once. So I don't think it would surprise you to learn that this is based on a manga. Yeah. So it's the nine-volume Japanese manga that ran from 1990 to 1995 called Battle Angel Alita. So a little bit of an inverse there. Then there was a 19-volume sequel called Battle Angel Alita Last Order, which was in 2000-2014. In Japanese, I don't know how to pronounce this g-u-n-n-m that's what alita was called in japan like the, the original manga was called then there was one that whatever that word is mars chronicle which i think is still ongoing which began in 2014 so mm. this movie is the first four books i guess of the nine there's the first two stories and then motorball is books three and four this is kind of a combination so it feels like there's a lot going on because they're is a lot going on. Like This is essentially kind of four stories that is clearly set up to be the start of a franchise that didn't happen and probably won't happen. Oh, really? It's not going to be a franchise? Like, there's not going to be a second one? It's it's set up. Like, there's like they end staring at the fucking city in the sky. So And Edward Norton up there. Yes, you recognized him, right? I would yeah, imagine. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I was laughing because I was like, Edward Norton bails on Hulk. I don't want to do this bullshit anymore. Then years later joins this to be like the beginning of a new franchise. Like, come on, bro. For him to be like, I want to do American History X and like real mo real film. And then to join this, you're like... What's different maybe about this 
this than Hulk is like he was on Hulk before Marvel was Marvel. Like yeah, before yeah. this movie, I don't know if you noticed, was written by James Cameron and directed by Robert Rodriguez. So this has more kind of a, a prestige and acclaim than a lot of other movies like this based Fair. on this manga, whatever. And also, you know, Hulk was a decade or so earlier before this, right? So yeah. there's there's a lot that's gone on between. I agree with you that, like, you know, if you're going to say no... But it's also the same thing, like, you know, Paul Walker's like, I don't want to be Superman for a decade than as Brian O'Connor for the last 15 years of his life, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly, so, exactly. Things change. Well, you sign those checks... Yeah, it does. Get the, get the money, man. I was still like, come on. Like, you can't be, like, above uh, the Hulk and then also be the evil God's Eye villain and Alita Battle Angel and yeah. tell me that this is, like, much better. Uh, so you like this. Did Rachel like this movie? I think she did. I think she really enjoyed this movie. We were, we were into it. We were, like, watching it and, like, paying attention and talking about it, which is, you know, interesting. Her takeaway was the exact same thing. Because, like, we would be watching the movie and then they'd be like, oh, yeah, we have to go play Motorball. And we're like, fuck, we totally forgot about Motorball. Like, this, where did this come from again? You know? Or <laughs> yeah. we'd be, like, watching it and then it'd be like, oh, yeah, like, she's playing Motorball with the Bounty Hunters. We're like, fuck, the Bounty Hunters. That's right. They all exist. And, you, like, you know, like, it, like we were just, like, keep being surprised by the movie as if there was, like, like, it felt as if we were, like, we, like, watched a movie, we waited six months and then watched the sequel and we're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that character. Like, the, yeah, I've, he would definitely be here. Except it's all just in the same movie. It's all in the hours. same movie. Because, like, they take you on, like, a nice run of, like, 20 minutes where it's like, okay, the main focus right now is Bounty Hunters. And you're like, okay, I'm I'm with you. And then it's like, nope, now we're going to Motorball. And you're like, okay, okay, we're in Motorball. And they're like, well, she's a Martian. And you're like, okay, we're going to go to Mars. She's going to figure out her memory. And it's like, nope, back to Moneyball. And you're like, what the fuck is happening here? It's very segmented. It takes you very deep into the segment that you're in. It does. It's not very fluid with it's like interchangeable pieces that they're constantly reminding you that there's motorball and bounty hunters and it like happens like very rigidly like it feels like it's written in short stories right what this movie is doing and trying to do and i think mostly success like i love this movie this the, the critical good, reception yeah. to this is kind of mixed and i'll get to that later but like it has to do so much to set things up like it has to establish the entire world establish the yes. premise yes. set up a franchise yep tell a story like it's doing the now new action movie thing in the era of Marvel where it has to be both the new thing the old thing and the next thing all in one right so like it's it's a, it's doing a lot and I think it does it pretty well so here's here's the backstory to this in 2003 or maybe even before that maybe 2000 hold on in the year 2000 the domain name battle angel alita was registered to james cameron in june 2000 and he was going to do this after he finished dark angel which apparently you remember the, the series dark angel with jessica alba like the fox series that was on for two years no it was a tv series on fox starring jessica alba it was kind of her breakout role where she plays this woman named max who's like i think this like kind of science experiment and like this badass action hero like it's it's very cool it was on for two years, inspired by this sort of tough sci-fi, tough young heroine, whatever, right? So, yeah. cool. I really like that. He was going to do this after he did that. Uh, that never happened. And then he gets fixated with Avatar. And he starts making Avatar, and then he makes the movie The Dive, and then he starts making the sequels. And all along, people, because this is a very popular manga, and people are like, are you going to do this movie or not? And he's like, yeah, I, you know, I want to do it, I'm looking forward to it, I'm excited for it. But I mean, this is very on brand for James Cameron. He's like, yeah. he does this all the time, like, I'm going to make this movie, and it's like, okay, 40 years from now. And what kind of makes sense is that he says that the reason he wanted to prioritize Avatar, whether or not this is actually the case, or if he just wants to make billions of dollars, who knows, but he says that movies like Avatar will get people to care about the environment and maybe actually inspire some kind of change. Uh. Whereas this would just kind of be like a cool, fun sci-fi thriller, whatever, right? Like, okay, that's, he's that's trying respectable. To be human, at least what he's saying, at least, 
humanitarian. So I think that's kind of cool. Yes. Whether we believe him or not, we don't know. Yeah, 16 years later, so after this is originally you know thought of in 2000, Robert Rodriguez was brought on as director. James Cameron wrote the screenplay. They cast Rosa Salazar as... Alita, and then they started shooting later that year in Austin, finished it up in 2017, like in February 2017, and then it eventually came out uh, last year, because this took so much in... CGI, I'm sure. Post-effects, yeah. Yeah. The sequence, the motorball sequence, the final, like the one where she competes, like her tryout? Yes, yes, yes. Took three years, I guess, to conceive of and create and do... So like from, from start to finish, from, I guess, original idea to where it winds up, three-year process, which is crazy. It's very cool, though, and it, it plays very, very well. It, it, it was very reminiscent of Tron for me. Yeah, I can see that. It's fluid. It works. Yeah. What is uh, important for our thing is that a lot of the camera work for that was based upon NASCAR, that he put cameras in places and sort of modeled the race and the action after uh, NASCAR. Because it's a circle track. It makes sense. And like where you would play and sort of like have the cameras low and not like create ways that felt impossible, like you would never get these shots or whatever, but like genuinely where in a thing like NASCAR cameras would be, which I think is pretty cool. Thumbs up. That's, that's something I wouldn't have thought of, but makes beautiful sense. A very minor thing, which is kind of funny, was this. So I said like the manga was called Battle Angel Alita. They obviously yes. changed it to Alita Battle Angel because James Cameron eventually said, I think, that, like, you know, in a franchise, he still he wanted to make more of these. I think he still probably would if it was successful. I'll get to that in a second. I don't know if this is true, but he, se- he seemingly only makes movies that start with, like, they write on IMDb T and A movies. I'm like, tits and ass? But no, it's literally just movies that start with T or A. So there are, and I never realized mm. this, Aliens, The Terminator, The Abyss, Avatar, True Lies, and Titanic. And so if they were going to make this movie, he can't have it called Battle Angel Alita. It had to be called Alita Battle Angel because it starts with an A, which I was just like, that's such a weird thing to happen. Yeah, like what kind of weird OCD do you have, bud? Like that's very I strange. Know. I don't know. Very, very strange. Apparently, if you're wondering, Alita translates to little wing in Spanish, like a little bird's wing, I guess. Mm, okay, okay. So this budget for this movie was $170 million. It made $400 million. Depending on who you ask or what numbers that's you successful. look at... It maybe made money or it maybe didn't. The break-even point was somewhere between 350 and $500 million, and so people are not sure. But what could have been this like huge new franchise or whatever wound up being maybe not that. This movie, though, has a ravenous fan base. And I don't know if you noticed, but like when we when I just tweeted, uh, hey, we're covering Alita Battle Angel, we had at least one tweet. Like There's what's called the Alita Battle Army on Twitter mm. and other sites. Like People love this movie and these people love this movie so much that they were actually able to get it back in theaters like to re-release to theaters last october because they're like we want more of this like we will give you our money please just make more of these movies so as i was like googling this morning alita battle angel it's playing in a theater near my house now i don't want to call it a cult movie because it's not like rocky horror in that way but it is like it is a thing that people are passionate about and fervent about and like I remember after I saw this and like I just tweeted something like, oh my God, I love this movie. I got like a dozen likes from just people who like just fervently on Twitter, like to the point where like today, like you see it like with the K-pop stands and stuff like that. Like there is that kind of fervor and fandom from like a small subset of Twitter, but like the Alita Battle Army is a real thing that people love this movie. They want more, whether that comes from the manga probably or what, but like. It's fun. It's it, This is definitely fun. I, I could watch six of these. Like that's. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. It's great. Because it's ambitious sci-fi in a way that 
feels new. Like, it's based on a thing, but it feels like stuff that we've never seen before. It introduces a lot of interesting things that could play well continuing, yeah. right? Like, you can always have Motorball. You can always have Bounty Hunters. You have the city in the sky that we never see. So, like, you can have a whole movie about the city in the sky, and, like, are they watching Motorball? Who knows, right? Like, this is the whole... You have God's Eye, right? Like, he, mm-hmm. Nova has God's Eye technology that he watches the whole city down there. Why are they doing this? Like, there's, like, a lot in play here. It sets up to that point. Like, it sets up the movie of a possibly a movie in the sky with, like, Edward Norton taking his glasses off at the end. Like, oh, shit, like, who is he? Like, we know he's Nova, but, like, what's his story? They yep. have Michelle Rodriguez as her mentor and her, like, commander or whatever in flashbacks, yep. like, setting that story up. They have Jai Courtney, who is like apparently the motor the motorball champion like the other like who would essentially be her competition for like the best motorball player in the world he's in this too and like there's just there's so many opportunities here Mm -hmm. as of right now no more a lot of this was shot with technology that james cameron designed for avatar because that makes sense apparently so she has if you have not seen posters if you've not seen the movie or whatever she has anime eyes manga eyes whatever she's got these crazy giant, giant eyes yeah. that turned a lot of people off like when people like i think even me originally i was just like oh, this looks dumb but then i was like oh wait no this is like written by james cameron directed by robert rodriguez like i trust these people to make a movie but like when you first see it if you're not sure what you're looking at like oh like what is going on like this is weird yeah i definitely get it but apparently in each of her eyes there is more CGI geometry, basically like more things the computer is doing than in the entire character of Gollum in The Lord of the Rings, which is a completely CGI character. Like everything that he did in those movies, like him with the ring and Precious and all that stuff, right? Like all of the computer stuff that was worked on for him has less than just one of her eyes. Like like, that's how expressive and emotive and like crazy advanced the CGI is. So like it looks weird, but like it's also amazing. It's one of these like sports stats, like every, in the first quarter of, of every game he's never run backwards sideways you're like okay you know like it's like it's awesome like the eyes look great but it's like if you put Gollum up against her eyes you'd be like but it's Gollum but I think it's I think it's just saying like how much effort went into I don't know I don't know why did you spend this much I mean like so this is what Robert Rodriguez said he said quote it was always Jim Jim Cameron Jim's idea to create a photorealistic version of the manga eyes we're so accustomed to seeing. We really wanted to honor the tradition and see that look standing next to any human character. Mm. To have the right person to emote behind it was really essential. Her origins are in the film, and you understand why she looks that way. If the eyes are the windows to the soul, we have some pretty big windows. You can see a lot going on in there. So, like, it works. Like, I think it makes sense. Like, there's... It's good. It's not bad. I'm just saying, like... Maybe not necessary. Or whatever. Yeah, direction of energy, right? If you're like, it took three years to shoot the Moneyball scene, but it also... Or the Motorball. And most of it was her eyes. You're like, okay, well, just not so much of the eyes then. So, in the Motorball scenes... Yes. They had top, some of the world's top inline skaters as the competitors, including Chris Haffey, Frankie Morales, and Dave Lang. I don't know them. Oh, Frankie Morales? I know Frankie Morales. Oh, I, I maybe I know that name. Him. Yeah. Yeah. 2003 X Games competitor Katie Ketchum, I guess no relation to Ash Ketchum, I would imagine, doubled for Rosa Salazar during those sequences when she was skating off the side, capturing facial expressions for the reference cameras. Mm, and their performances were combined in post-production. So I have a picture here that I'm going to send to you. Please. This is just of the dots and stuff. This is uh, Letty and Rosa Salazar training. But like that's what it looks oh, like. Oh, very that's, cool. This was the final movie that Fox put out before Disney bought Fox. Ooh. And so people are wondering if, like... If this that. is on brand for Disney, like it kind of feels like a different kind of movie than what Disney maybe normally puts out. And so people are not sure if they would continue or not. Who knows? Also, Disney yeah. now owns everything. And it's like, I'm sure that an Alita sequel is less important to them than whatever else, right? Star Wars. Yep. 
And the only other background note that I wanted to say was that apparently there were four people who were in the final running to play Alita. And one of them seems like there are three people who are like, oh, wow, okay, maybe that might even be a stretch. But then there's okay. one person you're like, I can't, I don't think this ever would have happened. And like, I read another thing that was just like, no, like she tested for it, but like it wasn't like, it wasn't down to her. Yeah. But we have Rosa Salazar, who is in this movie, was just in a movie that I saw recently, Pink Skies Ahead, but she's also the star of that Amazon rotoscoped Undone, which came out last year, which I've not seen yet, but is apparently great zendaya our girl zendaya was in the running which i think she would have kind of makes sense yep because she did you know um greatest showman so she's acrobatic it could work Mm -hmm. and she's built the same build if this is what they were shooting for you know Mm -hmm. like a thin young mobile for lack of a better word girl right yeah exactly micah monroe from it follows and the guest and more importantly to us from the zach efron movie at any price remember the kevin costner one where he's like a race car driver or whatever oh yes 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 also zach efron's ex-girlfriend and joe keery from stranger things current girlfriend so uh you know i love her we were talking about her this morning when i was talking about this movie and like how she was in the running like she was so like just those two movies she made in 2013 or 14 or whatever like I love them so much, and she hasn't gotten back to that yet. I think she would be okay here. I like Rose's Howls are better. But then the fourth one, the one that makes very little sense. sense to me, someone that is close and near and dear to Brian Rodriguez's heart, Bella Julia Thorne. Robinson. Oh, Jesus. Which I cannot see at all. No no shade to Bella Thorne. A lot of shade to Bella Thorne. She's, well, she's caused a fucking riot lately. Those were the, in the running. I think they made the right choice with... Yeah. Definitely. With Rosa Salazar. I also wouldn't mind, like, I think, you know, having Zendaya there, having Zendaya in your movie is never a bad thing, right? Like, it's... Exactly. I agree. I love Zendaya. We're big fans, so, yeah, that wouldn't have bothered me at all. I think that's all the background on this. This is a movie that was mixed reception. Like I said, there is a passionate fan base online. People who were reviewing the movie loved the look of it. They loved the CGI. They loved the action. They loved the lead performance. But they did not like the script. Like, it kind of felt generic, I think, to a lot of people. And that's what sort of held people back. I can kind of see it, yeah. Let us talk about its overall thoughts. I know you liked it, but what did you like about it? Fast actions you saw, general impressions, hit me with any of it. All of it. The first thing that we get that we kind of got in um, Universal Soldier, a woman waking up, also discovering herself. Like, in the sense of, like, where am I? What am I doing? Who who am I? And I was like, oh, that's cool. That's like, you know, it feels very, like, letty waking up and what am I doing, right? We see this in all of these movies. The first thing that really got me, though, we find out that Dr. What's his name? Dr. Eno? Dr. Edo, I-D-O. I just wrote down Christoph Waltz. I didn't even have his name, but yes, Dr. Edo. So Dr. Edo is the guy that puts her back together. Yep. And in his, you know, the body of that he made for his daughter because she couldn't walk. We find out that he's a bounty hunter at night. And this is why he's, like, keeping her home. Somebody goes, like, hey, meat boy. It was so reminiscent of, like, oh, ghost girl because we were just watching Seven. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh God, is this like the ghost girl of this universe? Like, Meat Boy? And then like they use it again. So like they've established that like Meat Boy is like derogatory slang for human. (laughs) It's very strange. While we're talking about that character, I had a vision that in this world, that's like who Jesse grows up to be. Like this kind of tinkerer, mad scientist, kind of not loner, but like he has the, like he and Jennifer Connelly were married at one point. We find out toward the end of the movie that he uh, he was born in the city in the sky, Zalem, and he came down, he took the thing out, like he rebelled against it. Did he rebel against it? They said that they like threw, I, I think they, I was trying to figure out why he came down, and in the part that he talks about, I even rewound it, and he just said like they threw him out because of his daughter couldn't walk. Like there was that movie Elysium with Matt Damon. All the rich people live on the sky and all the poor people live on the ground. Like it's like, yeah, it's like yep. kind of on the nose there, but like, I don't, I don't know the background of, I don't, I don't know the history of it this. It feels right? like something that we would have figured out later in another movie. Yeah. But yeah, because 
we know that he had a daughter who was in a wheelchair that he was trying to I guess cure or help or whatever one of the what do they call the demons that he made came in looking for drugs mm-hmm. and killed her and that's what broke up his marriage with Jennifer Connelly yep you lose a kid understandable sort of right understandable yeah but i just saw him as like a jesse type where i'm just like oh yeah i can kind of see yeah okay he felt he felt a little bit more mr nobody to me just because he's older and like uh, the mystery behind him being a bounty hunter this is like mr nobody's like cover an engineer that repairs bionic okay okay what i was feeling Mm -hmm. but once you said jesse that makes sense too because it's set in the future whatever whatever that that could make sense mad scientist tinkerer yes Mm -hmm. yes exactly oh yeah because this is also set in 2563 300 years after the fall we don't really know what the fall is but there was like a war between you know good and evil essentially there's a battle on the moon and uh, alita's second body after she is and we'll talk about that uh is a body that was like ancient you know alien technology or whatever uh, that he can't repair, that it's old, but like it's super advanced, right? So yeah, they like, and they lost all of this when they lost the the war. First is placed in you know the body that he designed for his daughter, but she faces the big bad. I forget his name. Oh, because it's a crazy name. It's Growishka. Okay, Growishka. Yeah. Okay, so big slow is what we just called him when we were talking about him in the movie. He got Doctor Octentacles essentially, mm-hmm. just shreds her to pieces. And before that, she found like they t- like her boyfriend Hugo, which is why I was thinking Hugo. Not Hurley, yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Her boyfriend Hugo takes her and like shows her an old ship that has been abandoned on the outskirts of town, and she like instantly knows everything about it because she realizes that she was you know Martian fighter. She finds a spacesuit, like a bodysuit, that moves as soon as. She- it gets near her, and she realizes, you know, that this was her calling, and she brings it back to Dr. Ito, and he's like, I can't put you in this warrior suit. Like, it's too badass, and I can't have you doing that. And she's like, okay. But then she gets Dr. Ox sliced to pieces, and he's like, I gotta put you in this warrior suit. And we're like, well, <laughs> fucking right. Okay, cool. Yeah. This was great, and I was like, Rachel, I'm so glad they set this up so that, like, we already saw the suit and stuff. So, like, when she does, like, die, you're like oh, no, 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 she's just going to go to the other suit. And you're like, okay. Also, when she dies, the, quote, unquote, dies the first time, she has the the one great, because this is, so this is also weirdly, like Robert Rodriguez has been directing movies for like 30 years. Uh, yeah. He's directed so many like kids movies, adult movies, like he did Planet Terror. He's going to do the machete movies that come out that we're going to talk yeah. about next week. This is his first ever PG-13 movie. Everything's either been PG or R. So it's like the weird kind of middle ground where it's like kind of for everybody. In that regard, what we always talk about in The Fast and Furious, you get the one F and her fuck your mercy. I was like, fuck, yeah, that's awesome. That's just like, it's perfect. Exactly. Like, I love it. I love it so much. I was thinking the same thing when I heard her say it. I was like, she got the fuck in this one. Anyway, she gets like the super suit. Later, she, you know, she finds out Hugo. Hugo does this whole thing where he was stealing body parts to sell to them. And that's how he got the Dr. Octopus arms. The bounty hunter that has a sword that should be hers, obviously, from the beginning, you know, kills his friend, kills a guy and blames it on him. So now there's a bounty on him. And when she finds out that there's like a bounty on this guy, she like punches the ground next to him. And it's very reminiscent of like Dom with the wrench. Mm, mm-hmm. Like when she like punches through the concrete ground, I was like, oh, OK, that's cool. So then <laughs> Hugo like dies in her arms because of the bounty hunter rules. She had to have killed him. Otherwise, she's not a bounty hunter and has to be killed herself. And she comes out and she's like, I got his head. Here it is. But she connected his head to her heart. With the help of her mother, Dr. Jennifer Connelly. Yes, who like now broke good 
which mm-hmm. is an interesting turn. We, yep. we won't really see Breaking Good a lot in movies. Correct, so yep. Dr. Ito connects him to a body, so now he's half a cyborg. The first thing he does is try to climb up to the city in the sky, and you're like, why, bro? Like, don't. That's not where you're supposed to be. We, like, remember the flashback of when she was with Michelle Rodriguez, and they just have these, like, swirly spikes that come down and just, like, kill anybody walking up this thing. The, the defense ring, I think they call it. Yeah, yeah the defense ring. He gets fucking shredded, and she, like, you know, has the sword at this point and, like, holds herself up and is holding him. He falls apart and dies again, and I was like, oh, killing somebody twice is also very Fast and the Furious of them. Truly, yeah. Like, to have someone bring them back and then also just re-kill them later, I'm like, that makes sense. And I'm in the whole movie, we're watching it, and I'm like, Rachel, which one of these guys gotta die? Like, either Hugo gotta die, or, like, Dr. Ito gotta die. Like, one of them gotta go. And so we just kill Hugo twice instead of killing the Doctor. Because I feel like if there is, like, a second movie, like, Christopher Waltz is not making it out of the second movie, I don't think. Like, without I don't knowing, think so either. Without knowing what happens to his characters in the manga, like, it's just, like, it kind of feels like she has to lose everything. Like, she's gonna win eventually in the yes. end, but, like, she loses everything in the process, essentially, right? Yes, and she can, like, only burn it down if she makes it up there. She'll lose everything, make it up there, burn it all down, and then everybody will be happy, and we'll do dancing in the streets, like in Spy Racers. Yeah. Well, and then the last connection, the last fast connection that I got is that, like, okay, she's playing motorball. We've seen it a million times over in Mahershala Ali and then Big Slow. Nova, the guy, can kind of, like, take over their minds, but really, like, their eyes, he can kind of, like impart into different people a little unclear on that but yeah yep humans and cyborgs it doesn't really matter like i I was thinking like oh it's like only cyborgs like he can like get into their no it doesn't matter he just has fun goggles and that's just obviously reminiscent of god's eye like that's what he got we have uh some robocop-esque robot sentries that they call the centurions that are patrolling the streets yeah, uh, that she kills a lot of at the end. I also loved uh, her protecting the dog at the beginning of this movie, and yes. then the dog sticks up for her at the hunter gatherer, hunter warrior bar, and then dude. But she uses the dog's blood as her like war paint, and then that's when. So Jeff Fahey, I don't know if you're gonna remember him, um, but the guy who is the dog trainer, whisperer. dog whisperer, whatever. So he, we talk, I was like, why the, Why did we talk about him recently? He's in Planet Terror. He's in Lost. Like I remember telling you, we watched something with him in it, and he's in Lost. And, like, I'm like, he's going to come back because he's he's in the Machete movies. I'm like, why do we talk about him? And I realized that he was also in that Robert Rodriguez music video for Demi Lovato that we talked about. He was in Confident. He was the bad guy or, like, the boss or whatever in Confident. Mm. But I was like, it took me so long to figure out because I was like, I know we talked about him, but, like, we're going to talk about the Machete movies. I picked Planet Terror for our film club, but we didn't talk about that. Like, I know that I told you recently that he was in Lost, but I was like, what do we talk about? And I finally realized, like, he's in this, he's just like a Robert Rodriguez staple, which I think is pretty cool. That is cool. So what's very, very cool, not fast yes. action, but just something that I found out. So in that scene where we first see, so, okay, things around town that Alita sees, like, these posters that, like, there's this man out there killing women, and, like, she follows Christoph Waltz, who's kind of her father, but not actually her father, like, more of a father figure, right? And, like, uh, she follows him, and she's like, oh, my God, like, this guy that I thought was good is actually murdering women, because he sees, she sees him stalking Isaac Gonzalez, uh, who plays character name of Nisinia. Fun names, all of them. 30% of this movie is, like, just people that look like people. Another, like, 30% are people's faces on robots, and then, like, another, like, the rest of it is just, like, just random-ass, you know, whatever, right? Like, it's just, it's... Nothing yeah. makes sense, which is cool, no. which is fun. I like it. I don't mind it. It's just like, it's hard to figure out who's and who and what people's are wacky. names are. They're not yeah. like Sarah and Kim and <laughs> like. Yes. They're... When they are fighting, it's like a trap 
and there's a you know Alita stops Christoph Waltz, stops Doctor Ito from like killing her, but he's like it's a trap, and there's like the three guys there, right? There's like the guy, the main Grishka guy who's throughout the whole thing. There is Doctor Isa, and then there's the third guy who's kind of like this like punk looking dude, right? Yes. That punk looking dude is played by Derek Mears. And I was like, why do I know his name? And because mm. he played Jason Voorhees in the Friday the 13th reboot. He's mm. also Swamp Thing and CW Swamp Thing. And then in the reboot-ish new movies, Predators, the Predator movie that came out a little while ago, he plays classic Predator. So he's just like this physically imposing dude. But he's not Big Slow. He's just the punk dude. Like he's just one, And you Big know... Slow, Rachel was telling me like she recognized him because he's like the new Freddy Krueger in the Freddy yes. Krueger movie that we just watched. So he is, that's Jackie Earl Haley, Rorschach in the Watchmen movie but he also played Freddy Krueger. So, like, what I thought was awesome was that in one battle, Alita kicks Freddy and Jason's ass. Like, that, that <laughs> had to be intentional, that he cast... You know what I mean? Like, that's... It that's just, really it's, cool. It's too yeah. cool to not be a... It to be just a coincidence. And he's, like, he's not, like, dumb. Like, he, he obviously knows horror movies, so, like... I'm sure this is a little tongue-in-cheek thing to himself, right? Like, Yeah. That whole fight, and a lot of this movie reminds me, the aesthetics remind me of, like, Dark City. Like, it reminds me of, like, just the, the coloring and everything. Like, it just, it feels like the creepy dudes in Dark City. Like, it just, that's that's the vibe that I was getting in this. Yeah, that makes sense. Then there's the hunter-warrior bar. We see Rick Yoon, Johnny Tran as Master Clive Lee with 207 confirmed kills. Mm-hmm. She, she says to everybody, hey, we all have the same enemy here. Like, help me kill this guy and they're all just like no like uh, yeah we're not gonna do that I and she's it. like cool okay like kick my ass you know if you beat me i'll stop but if, if i beat you you have to you have to team up and like she she beats the entire bar right like and then you know Big everyone Slow comes in, everyone right? but god she's just she's so cool like she i just i love everything about her yeah but then christoph waltz ends he says you know knock it off or no more free repairs because he's been like you know fixing everybody he's just sort of one of the good guys that are left then there's the second the rollerball or the motorball one where she's competing and they're all hunter warriors who have been hired to kill her because mm-hmm. Vector, Mahershala Ali, is like, I put a bounty on her head. Christoph Waltz calls her, like, they're going to kill you. She's like, which one? She's like, all of them. She's like, oh. What's cool, what's crazy to me is that, like, she escapes. Like, like almost like the last thing I would ever expect is, like, for her to escape in the city. But she, like, leaves the arena. Yeah, she jumps through the light. Like, she's in the middle of the, like, motorball tournament. And Hugo calls her, like, I need your help. And she's like, okay, cool. Like, after Dr. Ito's like, they're all trying to kill you, and she's like, yeah, that's fine. It's like, no, but my boyfriend needs help, and she's like, I'll be right there. And they spray sewage everywhere, and Rachel was laughing at me, because I I was like, god damn it, they're like, why are they spraying sewage everywhere? Like, this will take so long to clean and fix. (laughs) Yeah. One of the coolest things, I think one of the the images that, like, stick with you, just because it's so cool, is at the end, she's crying, because, you know, Hugo died, and she's remembering him, like, on her first night as motorball or whatever, and because, you know, he taught her how to play motorball. And she cries, and then uses the blade to slice the tear in half. Just like, that's just, like, so needlessly cool, but just, you know, amazing, so. Very cool, I agree. Rachel and I love that moment. I think that's it. There were, you know, I think the biggest fascination here, aside from having Michelle Rodriguez, as, as her like i would love to see her as a mentor like training her and back in the battles and whatever Same. it does feel like that would for sure be if not the next movie like one of the ones they would do very early if there were more of these i would love to see more of those but i think the big fast connection here between the two the motorball basically being some kind of semblance of, of cars of driving of all that sort of stuff right so yeah because we don't really get the premise of like what motorball is other than, like, it's like a roller derby that has a ball component at some point, too. I think it's just, you know, one of those, like, bread and circuses, like, classic Roman 
sort of thing. Not Roman, like Romy Rome, but like Roman in actual, yes. like in Italy where everybody is poor and unhappy and you're just watching people beat the shit out of each other, right? Like it's, you know, entertainment it's, for the poor, dumb... Yeah, gladiator games. It's yes. all this. Any other thoughts about Alita Battle Angel? No, I'm really sad that I now know that there's probably not going to be another one because I was like, oh, this is cool. I could watch the second one of this. It was one of those ones like, you know, I kind of care about box office things of things I like because, you know, I want to see the things that I like do well, but this was one that I was actually kind of tracking for a little while because I was like everybody you'd like is in it yeah everybody I want but I was like I really want this to succeed it was like one of those ones like I think even like before it came out that people were like this kind of needs to do like really well to like get another one and it didn't like this is Robert Rodriguez's biggest budget ever I think like you know there's a it was a lot on the line here and it did well it just you know didn't necessarily do like it did well enough that like I think if they wanted to take a chance on a sequel they could have but then being sold to Disney and whatever like seems yeah. unlikely unfortunately it is and it's a big bummer uh let us watch the trailer yes which I'm sure I've seen part of but I don't remember I can guess how this trailer is gonna go so this is the 20th Century Studios trailer Alita Battle Angel official trailer HD and what I was saying before when we started recording I was like whoa and you said what uh it has like 18 million views on so a lot of people have seen this trailer go ahead whenever you're ready all right three two one play you told okay, me the city in the sky zalem you know for the movie has so much of a heavy lift to do this trailer is going to have even more of a heavy lift to do yeah like get people to buy into this like crazy sci-fi world right that's kind of steampunky in a way yeah yep. Oh shit, we got the kill immediately. That's not cool. The way it has to be. When I found you, your very human brain. He looked so much like Mr. Slugworth from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in the beginning. Oh. I was getting lots of Slugworth vibes. The weird thing about this is that he played the male lead. I think Amy Adams was the main person, but like there was a movie that came out called Big Eyes, which is about the painter. But like he's in the movie called Big Eyes and in a movie with a character who has big eyes, right? So like <laughs> Yes. Weird weird thing. There was Isa. That's Isa. Yeah, that yeah. Madam M. I still can't recognize her, even if I know it's her. Just like the whole like cyborg body thing throws me off. Contains technology. She's like the lead in um, the From Dusk Dawn TV series that Rod Rodriguez, I think, produces and showruns, maybe, or used to showrun. Like, I'm looking forward to the Machete movies just to see them again, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of crossover between these because he likes to reuse actors and stuff. Yeah, very Tarantino y. You know more about me than you're saying. Oh, and speaking of Tarantino, Tarantino was like, hey, you should probably hire Christoph Waltz. Not like it's, you know, that he needs to know who he is, but like. Yes, yeah. I think he would be good for this part, and he was. Marsh Ali being in this is really crazy to me. They will come for you. Like that's why I think it's like it's like a different world, right? Like I, I get where you're coming from with like the Edward Norton changing his mind. That's like, you know, this is just like what prestige actors do now, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. There's big slow. And the Doctor Ock tentacles. Is this an original song? I'm trying to think of the song, or is it like a, you know how like they do like the slow, like the moody, the emo version? Not emo versions, but like the slow, moody, ethereal versions of like of classic rock songs. songs. Yeah. 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 Oh, 
That looks like it would be fun. Yeah. The park that they were in, or the, the place where they go, like she's like, I want to take you to the wherever, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reawaken your memory or whatever, mm-hmm. which is very fast and furious. But that that's a national park somewhere outside of, or maybe a state park outside of Austin somewhere. So, you know, oh, that's sure cool. That, he wrote a book called Rebel Without a Crew because when he came up, he was like, I'm just going to do everything. Like, I just can do everything. Like, I can shoot and edit and score and compose and whatever. And, like, I can just do it all. So why not do it all? Like, it makes it cheaper. You can do it on a budget. You can spend the money elsewhere. Yeah. He also wrote about in this book. Like, it's very cool. It's the making of his first, I think it's the making of Mariachi or, or Desperado. I think Desperado because I think Desperado was before. Like, he was doing, like, these drug trials. Like, they're like, we'll pay you eight grand to be here for a month. And, like, we're just going to see like, how these drugs affect your body. He's like, cool. I'm just going to be able to write my screenplay. So, like, he's writing his, like, screenplay, like, while he's, like, doing these clinical trials, whatever. Mm. The reason I bring it up is because he's, like, you know, Rebel Without a Crew, because he does everything. But this is the first time since Spy Kids, which is, like, almost 20 years earlier, where he was the director, editor, director of photography, camera operator, steadicam operator, composer, production designer, visual effects supervisor, and sound editor. Damn. He did everything. Like, he is literally like everything. a one-man wrecking crew. That kind of hurts more when, like, the movie didn't do as well as you hope it did. Yeah, I can see that. But, you know, it's, it's I don't think it's badass. a reflection on him because it made no. $400 million. Like, it's his highest gro- like it's his biggest budget, but it's also his highest grossing movie. The economics of this have to be so crazy, right, that it's just like, yep, you, made a, you did it. a great thing, but it's like, boy. Okay, the letterbox game. Okay. This might be tough. I don't know. For reference sake, Mad Max Fury Road, one of the most popular films on Letterboxd, has been seen by 656,000 people. 656. 656,000. Okay. Alita Battle Angel, 2019, directed by Robert Rodriguez, starring Rosa Salazar, Christoph Waltz, Jennifer Connelly, and Mahershala Ali, has been seen by how many people? It's a new movie. People that have seen it really love it. I'm going to start a little high. I'll go 58,000. Got to go way higher. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. 100... And 37,000. Wildly close. 135, 068. 135, wow. 068. This is a movie that is beloved. It makes sense. Letterbox. This is right up their alley. Average rating, though, only of a 3.2. Mixed reception for my friends. Anywhere between like a 2 and a 4 star. Montez gave it a 3. Mike Manzi gave it a 4. Philadelphia, Garrett Smith, past guest of this, gave it a 4. How many people, though, out of those 135,000, have put it in their top four favorite movies oh. of all time? 35. That's high. Gotta go way higher. Way higher? Yeah. 72. Gotta go way higher. 145. Gotta go way higher. More than... Wow. 235, final guess. 246. 246 people have this in their top four movies of all time. This is a movie that people are like... I think part of that might be the whole, I want to show my support for this movie, but I also think that this this movie just kind of resonates with people in a way that uh, people love. yeah. Like, there are people who have reviewed this movie, like, eight times. It's just like, oh, yeah, like, their people are fanatical. What's weird, though, about these is that, like, people who have this, like, who have reviewed it multiple times, maybe it's anime stuff, I don't know, but there's, like, a lot of these movies, like, I've never, I've never heard of before. So, like, it's a mm. different, it's a different kind of cross-section than yes. what we normally encounter here, I think. Makes All right, we'll go with Owen, Hellhound, Hell X Hound on Letterboxd. Two reviews. First off, I rarely give out five stars, but holy fuck, this film deserves it. Mm. Five stars. Then okay. two weeks later... I fucking love this film, okay? Five stars. This is okay, Owen. Yeah. His bio is, I've got a mediocre taste in films. Okay. <laughs> he looks like a British Austin Wolf Southern. I don't know if you know what Austin looks like, but this guy yeah, looks like yeah, a, yeah. A, a, a British Austin. So, okay, his number one favorite movie on Letterboxd, according to this, is Alita Battle Angel. 
the other three movies, I'm pretty sure you've seen all of them. Okay. It's kind of all over the map. This is a weird, weird place to go. We haven't had this one in a while, actually, but one of the most popular top four movies of all time, like in terms of this game. No. More recent. These are all from this past decade. Endgame. Yes. Okay. His number three favorite movie. Number two is also a superhero movie, but one kind of off the beaten path. A recent one that came out last year, which this feels like it came out forever ago uh, Mm -hmm. because of the way the time works. A major superhero movie, but it's kind of like a lesser known one. It's big, but also not big, which I know is like a... Is it Deadpool 2? No, not as big as that, but better than that. I didn't like Deadpool 2. Came out last year... Is it like a DC one? Is it mm-hmm. like Birds of Prey? No, that came out this year, believe it or not. Damn. Okay. Time I think. Flat circle, brother. Pretty sure. Yeah, no, pretty sure. Yeah, that, that came out this year. DC one. Is it like, what was it? Shazam? Uh-huh. Shazam, his number two movie. Oh, nice. And then number four is a movie by a director that we have talked about a lot. One of our favorite directors, although I don't know if we've ever talked about any of his movies on a podcast before. Does it help to tell you that I was talking about this director with friends this morning? You were not involved in the conversation, yeah, but uh, that really you know, helps. I feel like the, you know, the car is blue. Like it's that kind of thing. Like I was talking about this guy with other people today. So okay, this is a movie that came out six years ago. Probably won't help you. I like if this helps you. Like you, this is not how your brain works. Okay, this movie my sister and I saw in theaters, and the. AMC that we saw it at said the movie was rated PG-13. And we're like, there's no way it's rated PG-13. And like the tickets that we have says PG-13. You saw an edited version? No, it just, they just mislabeled it. And it's like, it's like a brutally R-rated movie. Whew. Six years ago. Mm-hmm. One of our favorite directors. One of our favorite directors. It's starring a guy that Mike and I almost did a podcast about, that we started and then bailed on, which is a pretty big hint if you remember. Uh, Affleck? Mm-hmm. Brutally R-rated movie with Affleck six years ago. Yep, by a, one of our favorite directors. Not Argo. Nope. I don't even know. Oh no, he directed that. Yeah. Although we, you and I do love him as a director. Just kidding. I mean, he's good. He's a good director, but no. This is also what people refer to as an auteur director. I don't know, man. Also starring yeah. female lead Rosamund Pike. Okay. I don't know. She plays the amazing Amy in it, based on a book. Is it um? Oh fuck! No, it's not the, not the one with his brother that I'm thinking of with the sad queen. He wasn't in that, I don't think. No, Manchester by the Sea. No. No, definitely not. And that's not six years ago. That's close. It's also not a brutally R-rated. I mean, it's R. I think it's rated R because it's just like depressing as all get out. Yes. But... I'm not sure. Keep going or tell me. Oh boy! Based on a book, Rosamund Pike, Tyler Perry's in it. Our girl Emily Ratajkowski's in it. Boy, I don't know how to say this without giving it away. I feel like the director, like, you know, of all the directors that we talked about, like, this is a guy... We did this director as a, a whole month of this director in film club. So, David Lynch. No, the other one. You keep you, you keep confusing the two. Same name, almost. David Fincher. Mm-hmm. I don't know what movie he did with Ben Affleck. Was it... Oh, fuck. Um, no, I don't remember. I was thinking, like, Inception for some reason. Nope, that was Christopher Nolan. Gone Girl. Oh, God. I watched that movie with Rachel, like, after we came off a music festival cruise, and my brain was just melted. She watched it, and I slept. Like, that. that's, like, it's a movie that, like, my brain just forgets. 
I definitely watched like the first five minutes of it and the last five minutes of it. The rest of it, I don't remember at all. Because there is a scene in the middle of this movie, and spoilers for Gone Girl if you've not seen Gone Girl, she is having sex with Neil Patrick Harris. And Ugh, okay. uh, she stabs him to death. Like she basically basic instincts him and like it, it's blood, like she's topless or whatever. Like, it's not like there's a, some nudity, but it's also like she just violently murders him in bed. And it's like, oh, I'm like, there's not, there's no way this is rated PG-13. They're also yeah. like, you know, cursing all the time. Like it's just like, and then we looked and like, no, it's, it's definitely rated R. They just, you know, goofed. So damn, some, some teenager got their fucking money's worth that weekend. Seriously. But yeah, Alita, Battle Angel, Gone Girl, all that sort of stuff. So thank you, Owen. Hellhound, mediocre taste in films, but, you know, four good movies. I wouldn't, you know, maybe uh, Shazam a little bit less than that, but pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty decent. All right, Joe, next week, we've already announced this. Next week, we're doing, we're continuing our Robert Rodriguez movie, Robert Rodriguez week, week and a half, whatever, with two more movies, Machete and Machete Kills. Mm. Michelle Rodriguez in both, I think. I don't remember, I don't remember her in the movie, so I don't know what her role is, how big she is, but uh, I know she's not Machete, that's Danny Trejo. Yeah, exactly. I also think it's very appropriate for this podcast that we do these movies because do you know what the rumored the long rumored third movie would be called i think he made a trailer for it that i think is before M- the second machete one. three tokyo knife no but you're you're not un you're not far off machete kills in space oh god okay yeah that's right i, I do remember this that he like released like an in space trailer about it yeah that's right the background for this and we'll talk about it next week is that in grindhouse in the movie grindhouse they did a yes. trailer that robert Rodriguez shot planet terror like he filmed it was he made planet terror but before planet terror was the trailer for machete and people went nuts for this trailer and so he made the movie and yes. before the trailer for machete he made machete kills and then before machete kills he made machete kills in space like the trailers and so it's just like this wonderful thing like the fact that there was ever a second one is kind of mind-boggling like i like yes. it's one of those things it's like how do you how did you get a second one like i don't i don't understand well if he's making the movies in-house all himself then yeah the third one supposedly if it ever happens machete kills in space Whew. any other thoughts about alita or anything we're talking about or should we close up for the weekend and come back next week i think we close up but that was a fun one i liked it and i'm excited to watch machete because i have never seen them before so it will be a fun week for me it's a cameo there's someone in there i don't know if you know that she's in these movies but there's someone you're gonna be like oh my god okay no, perfect also of it course michelle rodriguez the reason we're doing this but uh yeah i thought it's just because her last name is the same as the director no relation from what i understand for all things Too Fast Too Forever, you go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash forever or at forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family, at cageclub.me. Come back next week as we continue Robert Rodriguez week, week and a half. I don't know what to call it, with Machete and Machete Kills. Check out our Patreon page at TooFastTooForever.com. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And we'll tell you all about it when we see you again.